0: welcome to inbound agency journey this is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies shortcomings and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency now here are your hosts andrew and gray Welcome to Episode 2 of Inbound
1: Agency Journey. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie. I'm very excited today to be interviewing John Benini from Impact Branding and Design, the podcast. We're going to kick things off with an interview with John. We'll learn about his life, Impact Branding and Design, what they do well, some of the lessons that they've learned growing over the last uh, five or six years. And then in the second half of the show, I'll be joined by my co-host, Andrew Dimsky, to break down what we learned from John. Now that you know what to expect, let's get to John Beniti. John, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Greg. I'm really excited uh, to to be part of this podcast in its early stages, and I know it's going to be successful because you guys are running it. And so the only thing I'll add is, uh, you mentioned in there you're going to be talking about my life. I just turned 31, so we got a lot to get through. Oh, man. (laughs) I've heard a lot of age jokes in the past couple weeks because it it, it was last week, so I figured I would... uh, I would I would beat you to the punch. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us. Belated happy birthday. Thank you. You wanna give us a just kind of background of where you came from and what has brought you to this point in your career with impact?
2: So like many people who who sort of find their way into marketing these days, I actually went to school for journalism. Wanted to get into you know the field of reporting, of telling stories, but sort of saw where the writing on the wall was with that industry. And sort of where that was going as far as distribution, and uh, just just the way the web was sort of evolving, and how that industry was just failing to keep up. So really early on, or sort of midway through college, I was like, you know, I really I really enjoyed the storytelling aspect of, of journalism, and I and I know I can provide a lot with content. So I really got into marketing. And, and after I graduated, hooked up with Bob Ruffalo, the CEO here of Impact. And at the time, they just needed a guy to come in and and, and sort of manage and facilitate content for clients. Uh, you know, Inbound was still fairly young at the time. This was 2011. I mean, it's still fairly young now. But at the time, it was it hadn't even evolved to the point it has now. And um, so I kind of came in and, and was working to facilitate content strategies for for you know, a variety of clients, which taught me a lot. You know, I was in and out of you know, a variety of verticals and industries, you know, all in eight hours. Uh, so it taught me a lot about, you know, working with people and sort of understanding industries and what works for different ones. Um, and then sort of the need for marketing at our agency grew from there. And it was just the next logical step. Bob asked me to, do you want to take over the marketing here? And at the time, we were only eight people. I said yes. And um, he gave me full autonomy and trusted me. Um, and I uh, took it from there and I, I just, I, 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 built, um, you know, a marketing engine that I felt could sustain us over time and built, you know, focused heavily on quality content and, uh, you know, helped grow our leads by 500% in, in just two years. And what started as an eight person company when I was here is now, uh, just under 40. So we've grown a lot in those two and a half years or three years now. And, uh, so yeah, that, that's, that's really what brought me here.
1: Wow. That's awesome. That lead growth is something I've talked to a lot of folks who've looked at your example and done a lot of things to try and copy that and just kind of imitate that success that you guys have had. For folks who aren't familiar with Impact right now, um, you talked about the business starting up. In Did you start in 2011?
2: No. Uh, Impact was founded in 2009. And at the time, it was, it was just a, a design shop. So there wasn't really any residual income. nothing was retainer-based. Everything was project-based. And um, yeah, and, and Bob sort of saw the need to create an agency that had you know, if it was going to have sustainable growth, he wanted to get more to a you know a retainer model and uh, build more relationships and have it be a relationship-driven agency rather than a one-off project. So um, yeah, they were founded in, in 2009, which was before I was here. Uh, And became HubSpot partners, I believe, uh, it was late 2011. So right when I came on board, it was really the start of the Impact HubSpot relationship.
1: Awesome. John, do you guys, are there uh, niches or verticals or industries that you guys specialize in?
2: Yeah, so early on there wasn't. You know, when you're a smaller company, as I'm sure many people can empathize with, you you you, you, you sort of skip that luxury. Because you need to pay the bills. So um, early on, we would we would take on clients who we knew we could help. But over time, we've seen patterns. And um, primarily now, we work uh, within the B2B space, but more specifically with software companies and technology companies, and even consultative companies. Um, and the reason is, uh, software and tech companies, their audience, uh, by nature, already sort of lives online. Um, they're researching solutions online. You know, you're not really looking for, uh, you know, cloud-based storage applications in the Yellow Pages. So, you know, their audience is is already kind of online. You don't have to convince their audience to get there as you would with, you know, even some manufacturing companies, um, legal, uh, financial, healthcare. Some of these industries are still heavily predicated on being found through referrals, or, or offline methods. So we focused heavily on software and tech, and consultative, really, because if you think about the the genesis of inbound, it really focuses on, you know, putting out quality content and educating people. And consultative uh, companies are all about that. So the content may already be there, maybe just not in written form. So you kind of just have to, you know, get the the intellectual property out of their brains, uh, into onto the onto the site in some way, and into some sort of uh, sustainable content strategy, like a blog or videos or, or what have you, or podcasts, and um, so it's a lot easier to do with with consultative companies like that. So that was really the thinking behind our niche. So yeah, we do focus on uh, software, tech, and consultative companies that uh, operate in the B two B space, and and more specifically, you know, I don't want to bore everybody, but more specifically, ones that have you know less than 150 employees, because once you get that high, they either have a really large marketing team, and navigating that hierarchy can be pretty challenging at times. Um, so there's a lot of specifics that go into it, but that's, that's the general, uh, target market that we're, you know, we're going after.
1: Got it. That's awesome. It is hard to get to that point where you start saying no to folks from certain <laughs> fields or industries sure. and start to narrow it down, but that's the riches are in the niches. So they say, Yeah, uh,
2: absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's hard too to, to convince executives of that too. Um, you know, we had, we had partners here early on i like, so you guys want to narrow the focus but continue to grow. And you sort of have to convince people that that's, that's how you grow, um, is by narrowing the focus and becoming experts and being able to sort of have a wash, rinse, repeat method once you learn certain industries inside and out and you make your clients more successful and as a result, um, you develop a reputation. So, But yeah, it, it's challenging to get there.
1: That's Yeah, that's definitely true. John, as you're taking prospects leads and clients from these industries and uh, working with them over a long period of time one thing that you mentioned to me that you guys excel at right now is kind of positioning yourself from the beginning for success in those client relationships could you tell us about what things you're doing what that process looks like um, and what some of the results are from having set set the stage right from the beginning of that relationship
2: yeah so first off you know, as, as, as somebody who's, who, you, know, uh, you know, is in charge of marketing here, but also has, um, you know, plays a big role in, in new business development as a whole, we don't really sell in the traditional sense. And, um, you know, the way we approach any new relationship really is uh, it's very consultative at the beginning through the sales process. So, you know, we really sort of get in and attack what the specific challenges are. And I know this all sounds familiar. Uh, but what how we differ is we we'll separate ourselves from the competition by we don't really offer them deliverables and we get pushback. We will get a lot of companies that say, "Well, you know, if we're going to be spending X amount of dollars, I, I have to show my boss w- something." Like, what are we getting? And basically, what we do at that point is it becomes a, a, a storytelling model where we can give your you know your your boss or or your supervisor. You know, we can give you guys a a case study within your same industry and we'll detail what their challenge was when they came to impact, how we addressed it and where they are now. But to sit here and really tell you exactly what you guys are going to need before we jump in would be irresponsible and, and, you know, for lack of a better term, just BS. Um, So what we do is we don't really give people boilerplate, uh, you know, packages, you know, so for five thousand a month you 're going to get this, and for seventy five you 'll get this. Um, it was challenging at first because there was a lot of pushback. you know well, how many emails are you going to send? How many blog posts are you going to write and a lot of agencies focus sort of on that experience and they do offer deliverables and they give them, hey, if we blog this month, you can expect these kind of results, whereas we focus much more on. You know, building out a strategy based on what their goal is six months, 12 months, 24 months, five, 10 years down the line. Because we need to know what that trajectory looks like. And then we can develop strategies um, and, and develop things that get them results within the first three months. So it might not always be about a website redesign right off the bat. It might not be about blogging. You know, because some people might be getting 250,000 visitors to the site a month, so they don't want to hear about blogging. They might have a conversion problem. So we take a much more traditional agency approach rather than this is inbound marketing, it's blogging, it's social media, it's emails, it's not reaching out to people unless they ask you to, and here's the boilerplates, here's the different packages. We've strayed away from that, which um, you know many agencies are still doing. And we talk to a lot of clients now who have great success And we like to learn more about them as we go along. And uh, we ask them, you know, why did you choose us? Uh, You know, just so we can develop more marketing materials that appeal to that mindset. And it always comes back to you guys were more consultative with us. Um, You know, you guys were, you know, we went to other agencies and we told them our problems. They'd come back two days later and be like, here's your boilerplate package. He's like, we went to you guys. You came back a few days later and you had a really specific, um, you know, strategy for getting us to where we got to what you guys actually listen to us. Um, and it kind of validates the, the fact that we went down that road in the first place. But that's how we really go about setting clients up for success. Everybody likes to say that it's all about the customer and it's about listening to them and getting to know their audience at first. But the bottom line is it's a lot easier from a process, from a procedural standpoint and organizationally to offer similar packages um, at different price points, um, uh, to, to, your, to your clients. It's much easier to do that. Uh, it's much harder to do what we're doing, but it's allowed us to have greater success for our clients. And it's been a differentiator and a selling point for us. So, um, you know, I think that's something that really sets us apart and, uh, you know, something that's, that's, that's special about the group here.
1: That's awesome. One thing that's stuck with me, uh, that I learned early on in life was just that the easy thing to do is usually not equal to the right thing <laughs> to
2: do. Yeah, that's a, uh, I think that's a lyric somewhere. But yeah, the 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 hardest thing and, and the right thing are usually are usually the same thing. And uh, no, so I totally agree with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What is that? So that sounds like a lot of work to go in and convince somebody to buy, to listen to their actual needs, convince them to do business with you without having here are all of the deliverables that we're going to do for you. So does that mean um what what is kind of what does the sales process look like to get them to an educational point where they're willing to invest money with you uh before and, and are they not knowing what they're going to get at that point, or is there a lot of free consultative uh, strategy development that happens?
2: So it's been an iterative approach, really. We used to have a, you know, we used to have a, a survey that we would send out that would, you know, allow us to get to know the company prior to jumping on the call with them. Uh, it was sort of like the Marcus Sheridan method, where when he used to work for Riverside Pools, he would send out an ebook that would educate um, all of his, you know, potential clients to read up about the pool so when he got there they could get right into brass tacks and not have to waste time. They would already be educated. We found that that wasn't successful because it took a lot of the rapport building opportunities out of the equation. Um, So the the way we really sort of start that process is honestly just, just making it all about their goals at first. Rather than jumping in and telling them what's wrong with their site, what they could be doing differently, um, if they had been, you know, blogging more sufficiently, or had, you know, a more lead generating homepage, what we do is we really dig into their goals at first. Um, you know, where's your organization going from here? You know, uh, you know, you're trying to have a big Q3, or could even be much more expansive than that, and they're trying to, you know, get acquired, or they're trying to, you know, increase market share over the next twelve months. So once we sort of know what their goals are, it's really about sort of reverse engineering and going backwards on based off what we know already, uh, based off people that we've worked with in a similar space, uh, just from our experience, and um, you know from digging in. So we do give them some idea of what we're going to do, but it's based off of you know, what we've done in the past for clients, which is much more effective than sitting there and saying, we're going to do X amount of blog posts for you, or we're going to do email strategies. We'll tell them about a client that's in a similar space, what their challenges were that may be similar, how we addressed it and how we'll do something similar. But first we need to jump in and, and sort of pull in a few account strategists and learn more about those challenges and how we can help. So they get an idea of what it's going to look like, but they don't have like any numerics attached to anything, any sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, quantifiable, you know, you're going to get X amount of anything attached, but they, they do have a, a, an idea of what their campaign and what a typical strategy is going to look like so um it it is a lot of work it's a lot more um, it, it's built heavily on trust, so you really have to focus on rapport building and and letting them know that you're familiar with their space you know the the problems that they're having. you know a lot of people in software have trouble moving people from freemium users to paid accounts so once you are in that space and you're playing in that sandbox for a little while, you notice consistencies like this. And you you can empathize with them, and once they know you relate to them and get their problems, the rest is is, is honestly easy from there. So um, it's it's big on relationships, and, and 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 focused heavily on really painting a real clear picture on what their success looks like, and then getting them excited about the type of strategies we put in place that can achieve that and have achieved that.
1: Right, got it. Okay, so it's. You're still giving them some idea of what's going to come, or kind of pre- preparing their expectations from the beginning. But it's not at five thousand dollars a month. You're getting twelve posts a week and one email campaign a month, and absolutely whatever else the deliverables
2: are. Because anybody yeah. who tells them that is is really it's just uh, it's just blowing smoke. Because there's you, you don't really know what any of that stuff will do. Uh, right. you, you you can't tell. You you really have to get to know their company. More than just a few phone calls, because how long is a, a sales process before you get to that point? Five hours, you know, right. a f- and you already can tell them that X amount of this and X amount of that is going to get them to. It's 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 not built with the customer in mind. So, yeah,
1: yeah. that's something that we struggled through early on. We you know we at, here at Guava Box had a, hey, here's where we'd like to start people. We want to start them at $3,000 a month. What we'd like to be doing deliverables-wise is this. And it's all focused on what would we like to be doing. And ultimately, business isn't about what would we like to be doing. It's about how can we help solve the customer's pain. If we can do that, we can succeed.
2: Sure, yeah. And you have, you have to balance that and also the client pushback. Because if, if they are the direct... Uh, you know the direct contact the decision maker they want to know what they're getting and if they're not their boss wants to know what they're getting so you're sort of balancing those two those two challenges right there that you just mentioned and um, trying to you know you, you find out sooner or later that the ones that do need a, a menu of deliverables like that might not be the right people for you and that goes back to what we said earlier it's hard to say no at the beginning but you hope that you build the equity with the clients you do have, build a reputation, and hopefully you can scale to the point where you can say no and start identifying, you know what, I don't know if we're going to be a right fit for each other because we're much more built around your goals as an organization. So, yeah, it's it's something that you learn over time and, and, and iterate on constantly.
1: No doubt. That's awesome. Well, hey, let's shift gears a little bit, John. I want to know about something that you either personally or impact kind of you corporately as a company something that's been a struggle that you've had to overcome in your growth trajectory
2: sure um, without a doubt it would be scaling and hiring talent um, as a company who's grown from eight to forty forty 40 people within a two-year time span and we're not in new york or boston we're right in the middle but Um, You know, many people think that that's a good thing, but you actually lose a lot of people because they're attracted to, you know, the the, the big city environment. So building an onboarding process that gets the, A, that, that brings in the right people, and B, gets them up to speed quickly. Because if you're growing to 40 people in two years, that also means your client base is growing rapidly. So we need people to service these accounts. And we can't have anybody that's on an account that is learning on the job. So our biggest challenge was always, how do we get the right people in here that want to be, that are passionate about marketing, passionate about working with businesses, um, and then how do we get them up and going in a reasonable amount of time so they can start making an impact with you know, our clients? So again, that was something that's been iterative and that you just learn over time. And, you know, our hiring process has evolved several times. Um, it's, it's pretty airtight right now. We know what we're looking for, but we know the right questions to ask. We know the right places to put out, um, you know, job postings. Um, so we'll run 30 phone screens and maybe bring in three people for a face-to-face. And our onboarding process is huge, not only from a standpoint of we need to get them up and going to service, um, you know, to service in, but we also need them to become an integral part of the team and part of the culture here, which is very important as well. So we have, um, you know, our, uh, you know, we have a, a, a chief people person here, as we like to call her, Natalie Davis, and and she's sort of put in a really good process for bringing in people um, where they'll come in, and uh, they they, I haven't seen people learn this quickly since I've been at Impact. This is something that's probably only been in place for the past two months, I'd say. And we've hired, um, you know, we've brought in a lot of new exceptional talent in the last couple months. And to see how these people are progressing in this new system and, uh, you know, they kind of bounce around and learn from client service, they learn from marketing, they learn from sales. Um, There's a whole process built out for them. Every day is accounted for. They're learning from different people every day. And um, it's so educational and so hands-on that these people are like, Man, these guys are going to take my job in a couple of months, you know. Um, so our our biggest challenge, honestly, and and I would say our it's always going to be our biggest challenge because we have to give that the respect that it deserves.
1: All right, John. So you just said that you'll always see hiring as the one of the most important pieces of your business. Can you tell us about what the ramp up time looks like from the first day that you hire somebody to the point where they're ready to work on a client account?
2: Sure. Well, it, you know, obviously it depends on what level they're brought in at. So if it's a you know a level three, you know, uh, account supervisor or an entry level marketer, it, it all depends. Um, so if it's if it's entry level, you, you know, you you'll probably see it within the first two months, um, and quicker if they're if they're higher up than that and they've already handled accounts, managed accounts that you know million dollar accounts, they'll come in and and they just need to kind of get the lay of the land, learn the processes, meet their Meet their clients, and then they're good to go. So the the entry level marketer is the one who is shadowing and 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 sort of that sort of thing for I'd say a month or two. Uh, but I'd say within sixty days, they're they're in their hands on and and they're you know they're making a significant uh, you know impact. So um, but yeah, it's it's a little shorter when somebody comes in with experience, but they still have to learn the ecosystem here. Nobody just comes in and plug and play. Um, I'm sure that's the same at any agency. You got to learn the, the lay of the land, how things work, meet the clients. Everyone has a different system and a different process, so um, it all depends on the person. And but but most most uh, most importantly, the position in, in which they're being hired for. So
1: for sure, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys have a great thing in the works there. Uh, we may be picking your brain and and pulling Natalie at some point as well <laughs> sure. as your chief people
2: person. Yeah, so. absolutely.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, do you have maybe a couple tools? A lot of agencies are asking about what tools other people are using. Do you have any lesser-known tools that you use and are in love with?
2: We'll see. I'm going to guess that you know anyone else on here is probably named Trello and any HubSpot tool like Sidekick because I have to mention that. Um, you know, I really enjoy the the UI and and the whole experience of using HubSpot's new CRM tool. Um, I know that that's sort of like a a full suite software, but I really enjoyed working with that. Um, I also use a tool that's that's super, super cool, and it's reasonably cheap. Anybody can have a 14-day free trial, and I think it's like $7.99 a month. It's called Gauges, so it's G-A-U-G dot E-S, and it's live data. So we all are in the business of, we all have the data we need on how many clicks our blogs got, how many people visited our website today. But what this tool does is it tells you right this second how many people are on this page on your site, how many people are reading this blog post, up to the second, where they're located, what device they're using, what iOS they're on, what, what, uh, you know, what browser they're using. And it's so, so valuable. Um, I know the design and devs love that here because then they can more accurately design based off of you know what people are using. But it's, it's super valuable from a marketing standpoint because I could see where the eyeballs are right this second, at what times during the day. So I know that at 11 a.m., you know, our landing pages see a huge uptick in views. So maybe I'll, you know, send an email around that time. More people are engaged for whatever reason during that time. Maybe right before lunch, they start knocking off a little early. Um, so I would definitely recommend gauges to people. It's, it's Anybody can have a, a, a free trial up and going for two weeks. And then if you find it valuable... Um, you know, you can, you can, you know, it's it's relatively cheap. I love that. I love heat mapping software like Crazy Egg. Um, honestly, just for me, it's it's really about seeing behaviors and seeing where eyeballs are, are pointed and where people are clicking, I've kind of gotten more reliant on that than, than simple metrics like how many clicks a post got and how many conversions. Because if I'm going to have any sort of predictive analysis and be able to replicate what succeeds moving forward, I need to know more than that. I need to know behaviors and, and times of day and where eyeballs are looking and where people are scrolling. And So gauges and crazy egg are two things that I rely heavily on right now. They're super cool cool companies and love the product
1: that's awesome both of those are great tools I haven't used gauges yet I've played around with uh, with crazy egg but I've been on the gauges website I've got it up right now it looks awesome so I'm gonna have to play around with that yeah definitely great well, hey, let's uh, let's shift gears one last time here, and I'm curious to know about what makes you personally tick. And so, if you could, one of the questions that I love to ask people is, what does your morning routine look like? What are the key building blocks to kicking your day off the
2: right way? <laughs> well, uh, I'll eliminate coffee from that, but uh, it, it, I'm 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 extremely extroverted, so. Uh, a, a lot even sometimes to a fault probably so for me it's a it 's a lot about communication and uh so in the morning i 'll have stand up meetings with my team, just a brief what are we working on where are we at um you know what are what are we inspired by today um, you know getting up i i can 't just come in and, and have everybody jump into their work so it 's really about sort of opening that dialogue early in the morning, which you know uh thankfully my team they're they're morning people uh so they appreciate that. But it's really about opening the dialogue in the day and early as possible and just start start the collaboration. Um, I work very well when people are disagreeing with me. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Uh, I work well when people are disagreeing and bringing ideas to the table and we're collaborating. I'm not the type of manager or supervisor that uh, passes my ideas down and that's, that's how we're going to do this. Let's implement it and let's go. And um, th- I've never been that type of manager. I think the way you manage creatives can't be like that um so in order for that sort of relationship to work you always have to be in constant dialogue and and communication with each other so really the morning um it's 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 all about that just you know taking taking everybody's temperature where's everybody at what are we working on what's not working what is working um are you pissed off at me for anything today uh and 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 just you know getting everybody talking uh that's that's I, I can't start a day without that, and I think our team has become reliant on that too. Um, it's really effective. It, it builds team rapport. Um, everybody knows what everyone's working on. Everyone's aligned. Um, if you have questions on what you're going to need from people throughout the day from a resources standpoint, that gets out of the way early. Um, so really it's about coffee, coming in and, and, and just you know jumping right in and collaborating and talking and having a stand-up meeting and, and, and going from there because I think if you're going to have meetings, um, have them in the beginning of the day and spend the rest of your day doing because I'm not a meetings guy. So if I can get that out of the way in the morning and get everybody talking and then the rest of the day we just, we just get what needs to be done, done. Um, I find that I'm more successful, you know, the people working under me are more successful and as a result the agency is more successful as a whole. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun that way too.
1: That's great. So your stand-up meetings—those are—you're literally standing up for those meetings. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We we have to stand up, and I'm the oldest guy, so if I'm standing, then then they could all stand too. Uh, <laughs> so no, it's it, it keeps you um, it keeps us disciplined. So um, if everybody sits down, you might get too comfortable, and you might dig into something a little more. And it's not about digging into things; it's about let's update everybody on what everyone's working on. What do we need from each other today? Uh, what challenges are we faced with? And, you know, let's let's move on and, and, you know, GSD, get shit done today. So, uh, but yeah, everybody is, is literally standing up. I haven't heard anybody complain about that so far. So we have a lot of standing desks here. Um, you know, I think we're at the right time to have stand-up meetings. You know, people right. people are very conscious of, of how much they're sitting in this office. So um, I think they appreciate that, especially early in the morning. You know, you were sleeping all night. You could stand for a little bit.
1: <laughs> that's great i love it i'm at my standing desk right now and i i'm fully embracing the trend so. oh
2: it's great it's great that's awesome
1: cool well john where can folks find you online what's the best way to connect with you
2: uh twitter i'm probably most active on twitter uh, my handle is at benini 84 so i'm dating myself um and yeah on twitter i'm I'm pretty active um or just find us at the impact blog and um i'm, I'm never too far away so just reach out on twitter and I love to trade ideas and uh, you know talk about um, you know how other people how other people do things and and uh, honestly that's that's what it's all about for me it's just uh, you know doing what we're doing here at Gray and just trading ideas and learning how other people approach challenges and no one ever has the, the right way to do things um, we all just have different and unique ways so I love to hear those and sort of incorporate what I can so feel free to reach out I always love a good conversation.
1: For sure. Awesome. Well, John, we appreciate having you on today. appreciate all that you have shared and that you're doing. We will put notes from this conversation on the show notes page, which is doinbound.com slash podcast. In a couple moments, Andrew and I will be back to break down what we've learned from John. John, I appreciate having you
2: on. Thanks for your time. Great. Thanks so much, man. Take care.
0: This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, forward slash journey. Now,
3: back to the show. Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and we are going to recap Gray's awesome conversation with John Benini from Impact Branding and Designs. So, Gray, let's jump right in. What was your biggest takeaway from your conversation?
1: Yeah, Andrew, I love the conversation with John. He had so many good things to share. Um, One of the things that stuck out to me right off the bat was him talking about the processes and the weight that they've placed on having processes in place in order to scale their agency. They have grown dramatically over the last, I guess, since 2009 when Bob started the agency. So in the last six years, they have grown at a a very impressive clip. And so just talking about the processes that they've put in place, um, having Natalie, whose job, full-time job, is um, focused on processes and people and getting folks onboarded. Um, They've just placed a lot of importance on that, and it's paid off big time for them.
3: Yeah, I agree with you there. You got to practice what you preach. And the way they market their agency is fantastic. And I think that their growth has been attributed to that. Um, and I took my hat to Bob who just recognize the importance of practicing inbound marketing if you want to be an inbound marketing agency. So that is a it's kind of a cue to anybody. And we saw it work at Guava Box that when you just get out and practice what you preach and make time for it, it it will produce benefits. And I think that they're seeing that right now. And I think that they practice a lot on themselves so that they can go and then apply that that knowledge to their clients and that keeps their clients moving forward, which you know, it, it kind of just continues to feed itself um, over and over again. And one big takeaway, you know, we got a chance to hang out with the Impact Crew up in Boston this past weekend at the uh, the HubSpot Partner Growth Initiative, and I thought that was a fantastic event. And one of the cool things that John mentioned was the how he tests everything in his own marketing. Because then he can take the results of those tests and blog about it. So it's like a continuous cycle. When you test what you do, you can go back and just create more content with it. I thought that was awesome.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, one thing that we hear a lot is well, we're not impact branding and design, we don't have a full time marketing person. And you look, it's really easy as a smaller agency, a younger agency, to look at some of the Agencies, especially HubSpot partners who've been more successful and say, well, they got there because they had this advantage or they were able to bring on a full-time marketing person. And just to hear John talk about the investment that they made and recognizing the importance of marketing early on, like you talked about, I wanted to just share one tip that's been really helpful for us and was incredible um, to kind of jumpstart our marketing efforts early on was we didn't have the budget to hire a full-time marketer Right out of the box, and we were scrambling with client work and a lot of other things, and um, we started implementing batch days. So we would spend, you know, four hours every Wednesday morning with a specific plan, with blog titles already created, just writing the content for the blog and getting all that together. And so the concept of batching things and maximizing our time and efficiency in that way was really helpful for us. Maybe that's a lesson that other people can use and say, okay. Maybe it's not four hours, maybe it's just two hours, one day a week. And that time, we're going to be protective of that and embrace that time as our time to roll out our own marketing.
3: Got to make it a priority. And it doesn't matter if it's written word, if it's podcasting like this, or if it's video. You got to be doing something because people are listening out there and they want to follow the people who are leading the way think impact's a phenomenal example of that and you can see the lead numbers that, that John shared that it, it has a direct impact on the bottom line and it, it freaking works. So thank you everyone for listening to episode two of Inbound Agency Journey. You can grab all the notes from this fantastic conversation at doinbound slash podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, .com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.